You're listening to Faith That Works, a podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. We're so thankful that you've taken time out to listen to our podcast today. Now let's pick up a Sunday morning service, and I'll be back with you at the end of the sermon to discuss more information about our church. Thanks for listening. Chapter 16 for a few minutes. I thought kind of we're in the, you know, as most of you know, we, we I like to go verse by verse through books of the Bible, and we're going to do that, but this is kind of an in-betweener season, and so on those in-betweener weeks, I like to remind us what we're called to be, what we're called to do. You know, if you were to, if I were to ask you the question, why do you go to church, some of you would say something like this, because we're supposed to, because I grew up in church. What's the church supposed to do? Just what my pastor says, what the Bible says. And so I want to make sure we understand when we wonder why, what, how, we go to the Bible. Does that make sense? We go to the Bible. We don't read books. We don't, I'm not interested in the latest paradigms. I all the time will get information about the modern church today needs to look like this. Baloney. Not interested. Could care less. You should market your church like this. No. I'm going to the Bible. We're going to Scripture. We're going to set up a church that looks like the church of the Bible. Why would we need to recreate something? If somebody comes to you tomorrow and says, hey, we've made a new wheel, just run away. That doesn't make any sense. Got a new wheel. It's different. It's not round anymore. We've decided it has three sides. It'll be great on your car. <laughs> Not interested. We have the model, right? We have, we have the Bible. We have what Jesus has instructed us and how we're to look and what we're to be about. And so we want to make sure we're operating according to Scripture. Can I get an amen? So Matthew, so I want to talk about the church and the word church in the Greek, which is the word, you know, the Aramaic, what Jesus spoke was, he called it the ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia. And the problem is, we get sideways thinking that when Jesus said, I will build my church, he was talking about a building. He was never talking about a building. Jesus was never talking about property. Jesus was talking about people. The church is the people. It's not the property, it's not the building, it's not the chairs, it's not property lines, it's not facilities, it's not. My call, because what ecclesia means is the called out ones. In other words, what Jesus said is this. He says, I'm going to call out a group of people, I'm going to separate them from the world, and I'm going to build something. I'm going to, I'm going to use these called out people to build my kingdom of heaven on earth. And until I come, until I can take care of this thing called time, which FYI, there's a day coming that there'll be no more time. And I'm not talking about moving your clocks backwards and forwards. There'll be no more time. Time will be done away with. And we'll just, now that's hard for my mind to wrap around, right? Just that we'll just always be. I was talking to our, I think our Bible class was talking about that this week. And we were talking about the idea that there'll be no more seasons, no more sun or moon, no more up and down and fall, winter, spring. There'll be no more rotation. We'll just be. And the Lamb of God will light it all up. 
the glory of God will light it off. There'll be no more sleep, no more weariness, no more pain, no more aches, no more snap, crackle, pop, and I'm not talking about cereal. Amen? Right, my wife and I are fishing at the age. We're like, what was that that just broke? You know, you just kind of walk, and all of a sudden, whoosh. Oh, yeah, huh, that feels better. It comes out of nowhere. Right? These things come out of nowhere. But what Jesus said was, I'm going to build a group of people. I'm going to call people, I love this, out of the darkness. Hey, you and I were in darkness. He's going to call people out of darkness. Some of you might be in darkness today. He's calling you. He's calling you out of darkness into his glorious light. And now we are the called out ones. You're the called out ones. If you have Jesus, you belong to the ecclesia. You're a member of the body of Christ, the ecclesia, and now you're the called out ones. That doesn't make us better. That just makes us thankful. If you're sitting in a dark room and somebody turns on the light and now all of a sudden you know the way to around the room without hitting your leg on the corner of a bed, right? It doesn't make you better than anybody else. It just makes you grateful that you can see. Does that make sense? And so for those of you that have Jesus, can I tell you something? You can see. And I don't know about you, but I'm broken about a world around me that I see that's blind. And they're hitting their legs on the corner of the bed. And I'm like, there's a light switch right there. No, I got this. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you had this, you would look different, but the world is a dark place. And so it's easy for us who have the light to just stand up on an ivory tower and say, you're in the dark. Blech. Well, how about let's just keep showing them light. Let's keep pointing them to the light. Let's keep trying to hand them and, and flashlights and alternatives. Just try to help them to get them to Jesus, right? And that's what we need to be about is showing them and having compassion. Because we're the called out ones. We're not better than anybody else, but Jesus has called our name. And so now, let's go to Matthew 16, verse 13. This is a very important passage of Scripture because Jesus begins to tell us, gives us a little glimpse as to what he's to be about. He says this in, in Matthew 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, what are people saying about me? Y'all are out there. What, what are people saying about me? Jesus asked his disciples. And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Because at this point, John the Baptist had died. Right? They said, well, you're, you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah come back from the dead. Others say Jeremiah or you're just simply a prophet. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said this. And I'm asking you today, who do you say that I am? Who do you say? That's the question. Who do you say Jesus is? Well, you know, he's a pretty good dude. Wrong answer. He's the Messiah. Well, I'll tell you what Peter said. Watch this. And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the final answer in final jeopardy. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, now all of a sudden, ring-a-ling-a-ling, -a Simon gets it. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you understand this? He's going to build his church on people who understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is not an ordinary man. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the lover of our souls, the Redeemer of all mankind. So watch this. So Peter had a revelation of who Jesus is. You understand this? Even, even God said, I mean, Jesus told Peter, you didn't figure this out on your own. My Father revealed this to you. Anybody remember the day you came to Jesus and you had a revelation of, oh my goodness, I got what? <gasps> I'm a sinner? Jesus died for me? He loves me? I just got to confess? I just got to turn to him? You have that revelation? Anybody can relate to that? Because if you can relate to that, you understand. But if you just said this whole, uh, well, you know, I went to this class, and my parents were like, you should go to this class, and you need you some Jesus. And I was like, okay. And then they were like, you should get baptized. And I was like, okay. See, you have to have a revelation for yourself. You have to have a revelation for yourself. You have to understand for yourself. Because I'm telling you, it can't be your spouse, it can't be your parents, it can't be anybody else. Just Jesus revealing it to you that the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter, now watch this. Here's some of the most confusing passage because the Catholic Church took this one verse and started a whole thing on it. Watch this. Because a lot of you know, if you have any Catholic background at all, is that Peter was the first pope. Right? They say Peter was the first pope based upon that scripture right there. That you are the rock and I will build my church upon the rock. And they assumed what Jesus was talking about is I'm going to build a church on Peter. But that's not what the scripture says. That's not what the Bible says. Not at all. I'll explain it to you. He says this, upon this rock, I want to go back. I tell you, you are Peter. Now I'm going to flip back. You are Petros. And on this rock... At the bottom there, I will build my church. You are Petros, and on this Petra, I'm going to build my church. That's what it says. If you study the original language, rock and rock are not the same rocks. It's, in our language, rock means rock. But in the Greek, rock and rock, two different rocks. There's the one rock, there's the group of rocks. Now watch this. So he says, you are Peter, you are one small isolated stone. And on this Petra, he's looking at his group of disciples who have all had a revelation, not just Peter, on this Petra, on this group of people who has said, I get it too. He said, I will build my ecclesia. I'm going to take you 12 right here, and if you get the same revelation that Peter had, I'm going to build something very special. If you'll stay close and understand what I'm teaching you, and you will go out from this place and do what I'm telling you to do, we're going to go change the world. Let's go change the world, you 12. Let's go. Right? And that's what Jesus did. And he built his church upon that, upon a, on a group of people who understood what? You are the Christ. And you know what our churches should be teaching today? And I'm not against topical financial marriage help 
and this kind of stuff and this kind of stuff. Where is the message that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Why are we lifting up Jesus in our churches? We've made it so, and I'm not, again, I'm not here to bash any churches. And I know some of you would love it if I would stand up here and talk about five steps to get your finances in order. Three steps to get you, you know, emotionally stable. You know, what you need is this. And hey, but you know what my thought is? If, if I can help you understand that it's Jesus and it's only Jesus and follow Jesus, you get your money right. If you fall in love with Jesus, everything else gets right. The problem is, watch this. When you get sideways in one area or the other, check your Jesus monitor. When life is not right, you and Jesus ain't right. When you and Jesus are right, everything's right. Now, you'll have to comply. You hearing that? You'll have to comply to the wishes of the Savior. Right? See, that's the problem. See, a lot of people say, me and Jesus are right. I just don't tithe. No, you're not right. Now you're deceived. Now you're lying to yourself. You're delusional is the word I like to use. That's the word my wife and I use a lot. Somebody will say, you know what? I'm on a little Debbie diet and it's working. You're delusional. <laughs> you are delusional. I've, I, don't, I don't work out. I don't get, I'm in the best shape of my life. No, you're delusional is what you are. You are deceived within yourself to think that you could disobey this Bible and be right with God. And so we see other things falling off in our life and we go, I've done everything I was supposed to. And Jesus is like, are you serious right now? You've done everything you're supposed to and you ain't been to church in six weeks? But you think you're right with God? You can't be right with God and disobey his word. That's what the called out ones do. The called out ones live a called out life. The called out ones live a called out life. So my life looks different than the world. You know, people say, hey, everybody's doing that. That means nothing to me. You know, everybody's, every, everybody's buying into this now. Are you going to do it? Why would I do that? Everybody's jumping off. Remember when your parents said that? If everybody jumped off the house, would you? Right? And you, as a teenager, you're like, well, no. And then your parents are like, well, why did you go hang out at that you know, party or do this thing or whatever? You know? You understand that? Right? Hey, when are, when are we going to be the called out ones to say, you know what? No. Hey, I got a joke to tell you. I'm a called out one. No. Not interested. Hey, can we sit around and talk trash about somebody? Mm, I'm a called out one. The answer is no. Something comes across the screen. Oh, I can watch that because no, no, you're called out one. But everybody, you know, everybody's like, hey, have you seen the trendy show on Netflix? And it's pretty cool. You need to watch it. Mm, no, called out. Not interested. It's okay. Right? You understand? There's, there's plenty of things. We could go all day on the stuff that we're doing. That, you understand? And so what happens is when the called out ones look like the non-called out ones, the non-called out ones are going, why would, I be, why would I join the called out ones? I don't see the difference. See, we're not seeing any differentiating between the church and the non-church. Can I get an amen? Right, we, called out ones going to look different, right? Let's keep going. 
that hopefully that makes sense. So the church, here's what we know. It's going to be built by who? Jesus. It's not your church. It's not your church. I, I could tell you story after story of somebody, and I've got a lot of church history. I got a lot of church baggage. I could tell you story after story of people who've just been mean and nasty in the house of God. Right? I, 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 it, was, it was Youth Sunday, and we had a little teenager who was learning to play the bass guitar. It's Youth Sunday. So I asked this little teenager to play the bass guitar on Youth Sunday. He's up there shaking like a leaf with his little bass guitar. Well, the bass player, uh, who plays every Sunday, walks in and sees the teenager playing the bass. And what does he do? Hey, that's great. Look at little Johnny go. That's wonderful. No, that's not what he did. He lost his mind. I'm the bass player here. I've been playing bass in this church for 23 years. How dare you? That's what he did to me. Think that you could replace me on a Sunday on the stage. You think little Johnny's ever playing bass again? No. It's not your church. It's not your church. Well, it's my money I'm giving to the church, so I'll say something if I want to. It's not your money. Did you hear the righteous indignation in that one? It's not your money. That's not your chair you're sitting in. That's the Lord's chair, right? That's the Lord's chair. The mints we consume, some of you way too many. If you're getting a fistful, we should talk. If you I mean, is church that boring that you're like, got to go to the house of God? <laughs> right? Right? We can watch a three-hour movie on one drink, but we go to the house of God, we need 38 Lifesaver mints to make it through. <sighs> He's still going. Looking at your spouse. He's still talking about the church. We're on like slide three out of 28. Oh, come on, my word. Does he not know we got one hour less sleep last night? Come on, I need a nap today, right? I'm not, not interested, right? The church will be built by Jesus. It belongs to Jesus. Here's good news. The enemy will never prevail. I'm not losing. I'm not losing, right? I'm not on the, I'm not, right? We're on the winning team. And well, you, but but pastor, it's it's dark out there, and the enemy's really rip roaring. Da, 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 blah, blah, blah. I know the final score. I know the final score. I've read the last chapter. We win. Church wins. We're victorious. So you, it may look like, right? It may look. Sometimes people tell me the score of games because I record them, and so some people. Tell me the score of a game. I didn't say anything specific. He said, I'm like, I, uh, I haven't seen it yet. We got it recorded. I'm just kidding. I know, I know, I know. He's sending me a shock that my team win. Hey, hey your team look good tonight. I'm like, well, okay, all right. No. But, but the good news is this, right? When, the, when it looks like they're losing, hey, I already know that they won. So I don't, I'm not as nervous watching a game when I've known the final score. Okay, church, don't get nervous when it feels like, oh, the devil's winning. He's not winning. 
He's fighting, but he's not winning. Don't watch Fox News, CNN News, Newsmax, read the paper. <laughs> we on the winning team. We are victorious. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Everything else is just noise. It's just noise trying to discourage you, give you doubt, give you disillusion, try to confuse you, to make you wonder if Christ is in control. Christ is in control. God's on the throne. He hasn't lost. And he hasn't lost. He's not losing now. Amen. He's not losing. All right. Amen. Praise God. Y'all can clap. I ain't hurt by that. All right, now, watch this. Let's talk about God's people. Ephesians chapter 2. Just look at the screen real quick. For he himself is our peace. This is what we are. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, watch this. We were separated from God through our sin. We were enemies with God. There was hostility between us. Bren and Alyssa had an issue in their separation. They could not be friends because of the hostility that existed between them. But God sent Jesus to bring God and man together so that there would no longer be hostility between us because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it. He washed away the hostility between me and him. And now what does it say? You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen. I'm somebody. I'm a member of the household of God. So what is God's plan? Here's what God wants to do. He wants to reveal the mystery. Watch this. To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the ecclesia, say it with me, ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places that was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. My, what a patient God. So here he is, here he is, here he is. From the beginning of time, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's got a mystery. He's holding on to something. He's holding on to who he is. In the Old, Old Testament, he never revealed who he really was. You saw his wrath. You saw his anger. You saw his righteousness. You saw his judgment. You saw his holiness. But you never saw the heart of God. You never saw his love. He kept it hidden. He kept it hidden. It was a mystery. And all of a sudden, watch this. Watch this. Here comes Jesus. And the mystery of God, the heart of God, the love of God, the nature of God has now been revealed. Who is God? Look at Jesus. You want to know God? Get to know Jesus. You want to know the heart of God? It's the heart of the Son, the compassion. How many times, for those of you that are reading through the New Testament, how many times have we ran into the word compassion? Compassion, compassion, compassion. The heart of God is compassion and to love. Now watch this now. This is interesting. I want you to catch this. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known 
to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wait a minute. I thought the earthly places. The wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wait a minute. So watch this. Here's what I'm going I'm to share with you real quick. See if you can follow me here. You see the mystery? You see the mystery? Even the angels had never seen it. Even the angels had never seen the true heart of God. He was surrounded in eternity past by angels, but he still never revealed his complete heart to them. And when he revealed Jesus, he revealed his heart to the heavenly places. So watch this now. I'm going to blow your mind. You ready? God is teaching the angels through you. He's he is using Eli... He's taking his grace. He's giving his mystery. Hold that for me. Now you have the mystery. Now Gary, who was an angel from eternity past, sees something about God that he's never seen before because angels have never been forgiven. Angels don't understand the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. Cedric's singing, the mercy of God. The angels are going, what's that? The angels don't know about the mercy of God. They've never experienced, oh, God saved me. I was a wretched man, and God redeemed me. And the angels go, what's that about? <laughs> Cedric sings mercy, and the angels shut up. They can't sing it. Right? Only you can see it. No, you keep that. That's your mystery. That's your mystery. I haven't even blown my nose on it. No, no, you can't give her the mystery. I gave it to you. No, she does. She get her own tissue. That's your mystery. You keep that. Hold that. Uh, no, don't blow your nose on the mystery of God. God revealed his mystery to mankind. And now the angels are like, what's he going to do with that? And so watch this. Now he's going to walk with God. He's going to pray to God. He's redeemed by God. He's singing to God. He's worshiping God. And the angels go, well, we worship because that's all we know is the majesty of God, the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. He goes, I know the forgiveness of God. I know the grace of God. You're going to get to heaven one day, and they're going to strike up amazing grace, and the angels will have to stand off to the side. And we'll go to the front and say, God, thank you for amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And the angels will be like, man, I've never seen that about God. That looks pretty cool. You're teaching the angels about God. They're watching you because you're unveiling the mystery of God in the heavenly places. Amen. That good? Thank you, Jesus. So watch this. So what church is not? Let's go through this. It's not a concert. It's not a movie theater. It's not a party. It's not just a support group, and it's not a building. Can I get an amen? It's not any of those things. There's two types of church. I'm going to roll through some things real quick. There's the universal church, and there's the local church. Hey, God wants you in church. God wants the ecclesia to gather together. If you want to do an interesting word study, study the word together. It's in your Bible a lot. The enemy wants us to be apart. We've seen that. Have we not seen that over the last few years? The enemy says, churches, go home. And now you even know people now, like, worship online. Worship in front of your television screen while you make pancakes in your PJs. That's not worship together. That's not the body of Christ 
together. We need to be together. God wants all believers to be committed to a local church. And he wants that church to be active, fulfilling his purposes, following his will. What do we have except to do what God wants us to do? You understand that? We can't create stuff. We have to follow God's will, God's plan, God's design. So we have to walk in the revelation of who Jesus is and what he wants to build. And he wants us to be a committed part of the church, to be authentic and to be passionate. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save something for a later date. I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. You trust me on that? I do want you to see this. I do want you to see this. What has God called us to do? To make disciples. Not to gather, not to just have worship services, not to just do good for people. He wants us to create disciples. He wants us to grow deeper in Him, wider in Him, taller in Him. He wants us to become more like Jesus. The purpose of the church is so that people would gather who have found the gospel. The mystery's been revealed. And now what's he supposed to do with it? It's supposed to grow. This mystery revealed in you, the will of God, the plan of God, it's supposed to grow. And that's what the church is supposed to do, is to help you grow in your faith. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm going to show you one more slide. I'll tell you a story and I'm going to be done. Just don't even look at the screen real quick while I flip, 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 flip. You're like, thank God you are moving ahead. We'd have been here all day. I tell you what, you want to get my blood percolating, let's talk about the church. You want to get me fired up, as you can see this morning, I love the church. I love pastors. I love the church of Jesus because it's what God gave us to fulfill his kingdom on earth. Right? And I'm not... I'm not against podcasts, and I'm not against sermons online, and I'm not against YouTube, but it does not replace this. It's not replace this. People say, hey, you know, I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and hey, this is the church. This is where God wants us, is together, worshiping, loving, serving Him. So I, I'll tell a story, and I'll, and I'll be done. There was a kid with a lot of talent. We'll just pick on Eli since he's sitting right here today. Very talented young man, as far as football skills, could run, jump, catch, do all kinds of things. But what he lacked was motivation. He lacked motivation. The coach knew he was the most talented member of the team, but he had no motivation, no drive, not interested. Attitude stunk, just the whole thing. So did he play in the game? He did not. With all that talent, he's on the sidelines because he's just not playing. So it's the, it's the night before the final game, and all of a sudden, Eli comes up and says, Coach, put me in. Coach, I'm ready. Coach, I'm ready to go. Now, he hasn't seen this all season long. And all of a sudden, Eli goes up to the coach. Coach, you've got to put me in. It's the last game of the season. I've got to play. Please let me play. And so the coach was like, well, let's just see at halftime how we're doing, and maybe i get you in the second half. And so the whole first half, Eli's going, come on, coach, I need in. I need in. You've got to put me in, coach. And at halftime, the coach says, Ma, just so you'll shut up, I'll put you in. And Eli took off and had a great half. Tackling, playing both sides of the ball. In high school, you have to play both sides sometimes. Playing both sides, playing offense, playing defense. Had like an interception, had a sack. It was just all over the field. And the coach looked at Eli at the end of the game and said, son, where's that been? We needed you all season. Where have you been? We needed your talent like that all year. He said, Coach, I'm going to be honest with you. My dad 
has been blind my whole life. He's never seen me play football. And you didn't know it, and I didn't say anything about it, but my dad passed away this week. And I knew that this Friday night he'd watch me play. He knew the Lord, and I knew this Friday night my father watched me play. And I wanted my daddy to see me play football one time. I wanted to make him proud. And so he got all the motivation from knowing what? His father was watching. Can I tell you something, church? Your father's watching you. He went to great lengths to bring you into the family. He gave his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you can make the team. And I'm asking you today to get off the sidelines. I'm asking you today to get off the sidelines. I'm asking you today to get in the game, to be active, to be encouraging, to be loving, to be kind, to share the mystery, to love others, to, be, to do what God's called us to be. Let's be the called out ones. Your father's watching you. And that's the thing. We've got a lot of people on the sidelines, and we need to all get in the game. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. You've been listening to Faith That Works, a podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. We are located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, on the corner of Southport Road and US 31. We'd love for you to join us in person sometime. For more information about our service times and for up-to-date items about our church, go to www. Dot FCCND.church. That's www.FCCNDINDY.church. God bless you, and if we can be of any help to you in the future, please reach out and let us know. God bless you, and again, thanks for listening.